Welcome to Rogue Finances. I'm Joe Holberg, founder and CEO of Holberg Financial, and you are listening to Stories of Personal Finances for Millennials by Millennials. And I'm in Chicago today with my amazing co-host, Sarah Clem, who is the Director of Expansion of Charge, a women's health and fitness organization that liberates women from the elliptical and presumably the treadmill. We are joined today by our guest, Arielle Nagel, a Washington, D.C.-based elementary school teacher for the third and last installment of our three-part series based on her financial questions. As always, we're here today in our podcast studio at 1871, Chicago's entrepreneurship tech hub, high above the Chicago River, where we had the following conversation. And so we're going to talk about retiring, Woo-hoo. everyone's Woo-hoo. favorite future subject. Yeah, especially in our <laughs> 20s. <laughs> yeah. Just entered the workforce. Let's talk about getting out of it. Okay. That's today's episode. How soon can we retire? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, um, Arielle, we'll, we'll kick it over to you and just start shooting off questions and we'll, we'll give you short answers. How about that? All right, let's see. So I am wondering how retirement works. Like, how much do I have to save? And what if other things come up while I'm retired? Am I just not going to get any money? I just, I don't understand it. I have the same question. Okay, awesome. How does it work? <laughs> well, so well, I think there's really two questions buried in that is how do I save for retirement now? And what does that mean when I retire? Right? Yeah. Okay. So we'll take them, take them in turn. So how do you save now? Most people have a retirement plan at work, which is generally sort of the hands down first way to do, uh, start saving for retirement. Regardless, if you have a retirement plan at work, you always have the option to open up and fund an IRA, which is an individual retirement account. And there's Roth IRAs and there's traditional IRAs. And we could we could talk ad nauseum about the trade-offs and, and which situations uh, require which one. But for the most part, your work retirement plan is the place to start. Um, in looking at the second question, um, you know, what happens if... I'm in retirement and something bad happens, um, you're, you're, you're going to have in 30, 40, 50 years when you do retire, you're going to have some type of health insurance that presumably uh, covers health issues, whether that's Medicaid, Medicare, or some type of private health insurance. Um, so that aspect aside, the financial component of it is really how do I cope with the unexpected in retirement, which really mm-hmm. necessitates the answer to the first one, which is how do I save so I'm properly um, <clears throat> funded and secured in retirement, which is actually quite a large question. And so at the end of the day, the moral of the story is to make sure you're saving something now in the sustained fashion over the long run. And then based on your other questions, you know, we can talk about those specifics, how much, where, why, what, et cetera. So um, those questions aside, let's let's focus on your your next set of questions that come off of that, whatever they may be. Okay. So you piqued my interest when you said um, individual retirement accounts and that there are two kinds because I have heard my friends talking about 
Roth IRAs versus traditional IRAs. And I would love to understand what they were talking about. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the language itself is uh, becoming more well known. Um, but then what does it actually mean is an entirely separate um, sort of issue. So um, at bare minimum, the, the simple going back one step is if you have a retirement plan at work, that offers you some type of match, that is your first priority is to get the match no matter what, because it's, it's quote unquote free money, right? You put in a Mm -hmm. dollar, they put in a dollar, you put in a dollar, they put in 50 cents, you know, there's all types of matching programs. Um, and then the real question, why, why do they do that? Yeah. Uh, it's an incentive. It's a way that your employer is able to contribute to your overall compensation and, and quality of life and welfare, right? The sure. If you went to two companies and you were about to get paid the same salary and you were indifferent between the two companies and one offered a match and one didn't, presumably yeah. you would go with the one that offered the match, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's better compensation. It's a better benefit. And so um, it's it's becoming more standard, even though not all places do have it. Um, so they, they offer it for that reason, pretty much. Um, so if there's a match, go get it. And so uh, my question to you is, do you have a match at work? I do not. Okay. Um, and so if you don't have a match at work, then it really becomes a question of, well, should I use my work retirement plan or should I explore an IRA where I can manage my own retirement? And for a lot of people, the prospect of opening an IRA, funding an IRA, and then choosing investments, even if they would be better off by doing this strategy, is a little intimidating. And so a lot of people just opt for their work 401k, even if they don't have a match. Um, so hopefully we can give you enough information to feel good about opening and using an IRA. Um, so getting to your question, which was, you know, what's the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA? Um, the traditional IRA, every dollar that you put in is put in on a pre-tax basis. And that simply means that you have not paid taxes on it yet and that you will pay taxes when you take the money out in retirement. I see. And this is this is a pretty cool feature because what it does in the current year is it lowers your overall um, taxable income, which could potentially save you money on your tax bill that is due to the IRS, or what it might do is actually just allow you to get a larger refund, you know, come February, March or April when you file your taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a compelling case for the traditional IRA. However, what ends up being sort of the point uh, at which you should consider a Roth IRA, it's the Roth IRA, you're putting your money in post-tax. So you've already paid money on the dollar that you put in. The cool thing, though, is once it's in your Roth IRA, even if it earns money through your investments, it is completely tax free when you take it out in retirement, meaning no matter how much it earns, you never have to pay taxes on any money that you take out of your Roth IRA ever again, 
assuming you follow the rules of the IRA, which is um, that you can't take money out until you're 59 and a half, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Is that, do you think that's something that lawmakers are going to try to change or might try to change? You know, it's, it's, it's something, the Roth IRA is a relatively new investment vehicle. Um, and part of the reason it's new is because there was demand from people saying, hey, look, we like the traditional IRA, but we actually don't make enough money to fully utilize the features of the traditional IRA. And this gets to the question about when you would use an IRA, a Roth IRA versus a traditional. And it really distills down to your tax bracket and sort of your tax liabilities. And of course, this is way more nuanced and specific than we could like sort of know for each individual. But the general point is if you're at or below the 15% tax bracket in a given year, then it definitely makes sense to put your money into a Roth IRA, abstaining from like crazy situations where you own like five homes and, you know, all these wacky things. If you're just sort of like an average American that has like one paycheck um, and you're at, say, like 30 or $40,000, a Roth IRA almost certainly makes sense. Where, the, where it gets a little gray um, in which you could lean towards a traditional or a Roth IRA, depending on numerous factors, is when you're in the 25th percent bracket, which goes all the way up to something like $75,000 per year. And so in my opinion, if you're going to make at or below $75,000, there's a really strong case for using a Roth IRA because your tax liability in a given year at that income level is probably pretty low to begin with. And so you're not really reaping a ton of rewards by using a traditional IRA, but you are reaping a lot of rewards by using a Roth IRA. Cool. Okay. That's so helpful. Yeah, I would. I'd hope so. <laughs> um, which there, there's a whole series of next questions based on that. Um, but I want to make sure that you're you're able to ask your questions um, rather than sort of going down the rabbit hole of IRAs. <laughs> well, so my my next question would be how what percentage of my income should I be putting into my IRA? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Um, let. And this has to then work back towards your uh, retirement plan at work. So we're trying to look at how much should we save for retirement in total, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're assuming you're putting nothing into your 401k or your 403b at work, then the maximum you can put into your IRA in a given year is $5,500, which comes out to about $458 per month or about $229 a paycheck or something like that. And so the, the reason for that is the, the, the maximum you can save is already dictated based on the limit of the IRA. Um, so at least you know that you can only save four hundred. Or $458, which is good or bad, depending on how you look at it, right? If you want to save more than that, you're going to need to find another vehicle like a work retirement plan. Um, but that's quite a substantial amount to save per month. Um, and quite honestly, if you, I did the math on it uh, 
a while ago. And if you saved $458 per month, which is $5,500 a year, starting when you were like 22 or 23, and you got some reasonable average rate of return, like 8%, you you would end up with about a million dollars or more by the time you actually retired um, at 67 years old. Um, So 458 bucks a month, you'll you'll become a millionaire, presumably, um, if all other things hold equal, like an 8% average return. Wow. Why did they set it for people, though? Uh, Set it at 5,500. Yeah. Um, I I don't know sort of the history, um, but a lot of these retirement accounts do have caps. Um, 401ks and 403bs work plans have a much larger cap. I think they're $18,000 for the current year, um, which is arguably a little unfair, right? Just because your employer offers a retirement plan that means you can save more than somebody who doesn't have that option it's a it's a very strange sort of uh, inequality that's built into the retirement system and i don't personally know why um mm-hmm. i i i think iras should have a higher limit but then again no one's put me in charge of legis- legislation um so until that day comes i guess we're gonna have to just deal with it the way it is Ariel, you need to uh, talk to the DC people for us. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right near the White House, so maybe just slide on by and just uh, drop a note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I yeah. Got you. S- see what Congress has to say. Um, <laughs> the the one the one thing that we haven't really touched on though is what your investments are in each of these accounts because these are just holding tanks. These aren't um, actual investments, right? And so mm-hmm. you, Ariel, you said earlier um, before we sort of started our podcast that you had a company um, that manages your retirement for you, uh, which was yes. TIAA CREF, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are companies out there that will offer you investments like retirement plans inside of the account itself, the 403B, IRA, 401k. Um, And inside of that, you have several choices and not everyone really understands this. TIA CREF will give you as an individual anywhere from five to maybe 25 choices of investments for you to choose for your retirement plan. And Arguably, you should definitely go on, log in, read about them, and determine which ones are appropriate for you, um, given your age, your investment objectives, etc., which can be a really daunting task, especially given the language and the length of the documents that they give you. These these documents are often you know, 15, 20 pages full of charts and annoying acronyms, and they're intentionally designed to... Um, convey the least amount of information um, and then arguably get you into funds that still make them money through charging you fees and commissions. And so this is why you have to be really judicious with your work plans because they're often administered by companies that are quite honestly just interested in in making a little extra money on your retirement funds. Wow. 
Yeah, it's a really depressing uh, aspect. Super depressing. Yeah, the the New York Times had an article um, recently about how expensive retirement accounts can get, and they actually highlighted a teacher. Um, not to make you in particular a little more nervous, but this teacher essentially lost out on something like forty thousand dollars worth of her retirement over the course of her life because the people that administered it were charging ridiculously high fees. Whoa. Okay, so let's buckle down. Let's not. How do we get Ariel to not lose forty thousand dollars? Yeah, there. I mean, there's two steps. Uh, the okay. first one is you have to go and look at um, your retirement account and who's administering okay. it. TIA Cref is a gigantic behemoth in the financial industry. Um, and they have a lot of low cost funds, but just because you have them doesn't mean your retirement money is in a low cost fund. And low cost, it should have a sticker price of uh, what the, what is called like an expense ratio or a management fee. If that is not below 0.4%, then you probably have a retirement investment that's too expensive. Oh, and and okay. in your statements and in your online account, you should be able to look this up and see what the expense ratio is. Um, and if it is really high above 0.4%, then you should really, since you don't have a match, you should consider starting an IRA at a place like E-Trade or Scott Trade or a really low cost place and going out and buying your own investments. You may need some help. Of course, I'm not here to like promote us, but like you should find somebody that can help you get really low cost uh, index funds or ETFs at, at a company like Vanguard. They'll charge as a comparison point 0.05%, 0.06%, which is often five to 20 times cheaper than something like Fidelity or TIA, CREF, these companies that are living on a legacy of an old model that sort of blindly charged consumers uh, way more than their value is actually uh, worth. And that point is obviously debatable. They would vehemently disagree with me and probably come at me with a hammer if they ever heard this episode. <laughs> a hammer at best, I suppose. <laughs> well, well, then that brings me into another question because I do have a Vanguard account and I have a TIA craft. Oh, cool. Is one from like a previous place of employment? One is from my parents. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. And one is from my employer. Yeah. So, I mean, your Vanguard one is most likely, you know, invested in some low cost fund, which you should definitely check that anyways to make sure. Um, but then the TIA CREF issue is a whole separate one. And so go compare mm -hmm. the two, look at the cost difference, go look at the expense ratios. Um, and these are things you can sort of look up online as well. And what you'll find is a lot of companies just charge quite a bit. I mean, you'll see things that are like 1.1%, 1.2%, 1.3%. And they sound small, but remember, these things are 20, 30 times more expensive than the cheapest ones out there. I mean, in, in terms of a comparison, it's like getting a Ferrari versus like, uh, you know, a Ford Focus. It's like both of them are going to get you from point A to B. One of them just costs a, one, a whole heck of a lot more. 
Right. So would it, should I look into consolidating these accounts or is it smart to have it in separate accounts because then I can save more? Um, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's not really, you're not going to necessarily get the option to save more. You're still capped, um, by Mm. the given year. So again, your TIA CREF is a 403B at your place of work. You can't save Mm -hmm. more than 18,000. And there's not like this cumulative effect where you can just like add up the limits. Um, they're fixed. So you got 18,000 at work and then you have 5,500 in an IRA, regardless of which one you choose. And so, you know, you can't put 5,500 into your Vanguard IRA and then also 5,500 into a traditional IRA at E-Trade. It's a total limit. I see. But All still, right. you're not gonna, you're not really going to hit your limit. You know, that assumes you're saving something like $23,000 a year, which virtually nobody <laughs> is doing. Only only 6% yeah. of Americans are maxing out their um, work 401ks. And so I it's see. a very tiny percentage of people. Good for them. But most people don't have the ability to save $18,000 or more a year. True that. <laughs> yeah. But you do want to look over your accounts for sure um, to make sure they're not in expensive funds, they're not in underperforming funds or investments. So um, that takes a level of detailed analysis that can be a little tricky. But, you know, I mean, that is what we help people with quite regularly. So um, it's fun to teach people about that and share it with you on the podcast as well. Nice. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And we could certainly talk about retirement all day. Um, and I think it warrants, you know, more episodes in the future, but for now, I think we'll sign off. And of course, thanks Sarah. And thank you, Ariel, for the last three episodes that you joined us on. Your questions were quite fantastic and hopefully viewers and listeners enjoyed that. Um, so Uh, On that note, submit your questions to podcast at holbertfinancial.com and we'll work on answering them just like we did for Ariel over the last couple episodes. And you can also check out my book, Rogue Finances, on Amazon. And for some fun financial tips and ideas, follow us on the Facebook or the Twitter. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 